You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. That's good news, isn't it? Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Most people love and they really kind of welcome uh, the new year because in some ways it really kind of gives us an opportunity to uh, maybe make a fresh new start. And one of the ways that a lot of people kind of take the new year and kind of want to use that is they want to kind of just make some resolutions, right? And the problem with that is, is that most people that make New Year's resolutions, only 8% of them actually keep them. It's a very good reason for that. Most people who make New Year's resolutions make it at a time when they're kind of on, you know, maybe kind of an emotional, uh, a spiritual high. You know, sometimes, you know, people get really caught up in the holiday seasons, the festivities, all of the activities that have uh, happened over the last month. And we kind of just start getting kind of swept away uh, by all of that. And, and in the midst of all of that uh, joyous festivities and the spiritual, highs and all of the fun, exciting things happening around us, we tend to make these really big, bold, audacious, you know, New Year's resolutions because we are pumped up. We are excited for the new year. And then how many of us get into the new year and in a, you know, couple of days, you kind of have that crash, right? I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I mean, we kind of start eating at Thanksgiving and we just don't stop until we get to the new year, right? That's why most New Year's resolutions kind of focus around dieting, around our food, because we have just, you know, overeaten, we have overspent, we have overpartied, we have overactivityed, and we're just kind of at a place right now where, where we just kind of start to feel the effects of that. Now, that's not just in your head. Experts actually have a term for that, and it's called social jet lag. If you've ever had jet lag from an airplane, it's kind of the same phenomenon, but it's just kind of more uh, an area that affects us socially. You've slept late, you've taken time off from work, enjoyed parties, you've overeaten, maybe played with new toys or new gadgets that you've gotten. And now, you know, I know for our kids, school starts back up tomorrow. If you've been on vacation, maybe some of you go back to your job uh, for the first time uh, tomorrow. And again, you, you kind of start settling into this uh, routine, this normal uh, thing, this holiday frenzy you've been living in. And you kind of, you know, get into the work day tomorrow and you kind of just have this moment where you kind of realize how dead dog tired you really are, right? Some of you may be feeling that right now. The same phenomenon happens on vacation, right? We, we, we go on vacation to, to rest up, to get away, do something different. How many of you go on vacation and you kind of reach a place toward the end of that vacation where you're just like, man, I can't wait to get home I just, I just can't wait to get back in my bed. I want to be able to sleep in my bed. And oftentimes we, we kind of go and, and we just have pushed ourselves to do a lot of things in a, in a, a place uh, and, and we get home and we just feel like we've got to, you know, rest from our vacation. It's just kind of that same phenomenon. So the holidays are over. 
You know, most of us have been going 90 miles an hour. We've overeaten, we've overspent, we've overcommitted ourselves. And, and right now you just may be kind of feeling, man, I don't have a whole lot left in my tank. And so the New Year's here, and for a lot of us, it just feels like it is the perfect opportune time to just refuel, recharge, and refocus. When it comes to a new year, there just are a lot of things, um, and we know that just from the last year, there just are a lot of things we have no control over, right? We hope that that's gonna change this year, but the fact of the matter is, there's gonna be maybe some things last year that we're still not gonna have control of this year. There may be new things that kind of come, new challenges that come that we're not gonna have any control over. But the areas where we feel like we have some control over, we wanna kinda take inventory, right? And we wanna try to bring changes, maybe into one or more areas of our life in hopes that, you know, this next year, if I kind of just change this in my life, if I do this differently, hopefully this next year can kind of be my best year, or at least better than the one before. Now, one of people's favorite travel destinations is a place called Athens, Greece. Now, I've never been there. I've seen pictures of it, read books on it. In Athens, there are statues everywhere. Now, one man who lived in uh, Athens hundreds of years ago, he said at one point in time, there were more statues in Athens than people. And among those statues, there was a statue there that was called Opportunity. And it was a statue of a man who had this long flowing hair kind of uh, in front of his face and it just kind of went down to his waist and the back of his head was completely bald. Now the message, the idea behind that statue was you could grab it when it's coming towards you, but you could never get a hold of it once it passed. We should treat the new year in similar fashion. Folks, we can grab the day, we can seize the opportunity that's before us. But once it's gone, it's gone. And again, to do that, to, to seize the day, to make the most of the opportunity, to take the moment, again, we're, it's gonna require us to kind of refocus, to refuel, and the dawn of a new year is just a perfect time to do just that. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna kind of just offer up some things uh, to starting the new year off right, some things that I hope and pray will kind of energize you, will revive you, recharge you, and not just to experience life or to endure life, but to potentially enjoy life to the fullest just as Jesus promised in John 10, 10. He said, the thief, the enemy, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life, zoe, life. That is, that is the God kind of life is what that means in the Greek. I've come to give you the God kind of life and to give it to you in abundance. I wanna begin with what I'm convinced is probably the single most important thing anyone can do if they wanna make the most of every day that they live, it is something we all can do at some level, and that is read the Bible daily. Now here's something to think about. 
If you're here this morning and, and maybe daily Bible reading isn't part of your routine, it isn't really a part of your habit, um, and, and you're just not used to letting God speak to you uh, every day or letting God speak to you through his word, then one of the following may, and I'm, I'm just emphasize may uh, be an underlying issue that maybe you kind of just need to resolve. And oftentimes when we kind of negate the reading of God's word, it's because we've kind of maybe elevated the physical, our physical above the spiritual. Maybe we've kind of made our body more important than our soul, our spirit. Or we could believe, you know, that the physical, the, the material is more important than the spiritual. Or we believe that we can just simply make it on our own, you know, and do life by ourselves. And we don't need God's help. Or we believe that, you know, what God has to say in his word is just really not that important. So for the backdrop of what I want to talk about this morning, I want to just kind of look at Psalm 119. Now, if you were to open your Bible uh, and you were to kind of get your Bible opened halfway, chances are very good your Bible would open to Psalm 119. Psalm 19, 119 is found almost in the middle of the Bible. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. Blake would probably say, I wrote that, but I didn't. I like to talk, right? And it's basically a chapter all about the Bible. It just talks about what the Bible is. And he takes 176 verses, and the writer is trying to motivate us to get the Bible into our hearts and our lives. I want you just to listen to a few verses from Psalm 119. You'll kind of see what I mean. Right off the bat, verse one says, joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. And again, we can't do that apart from the word. Verse 18, open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. My life on earth is so brief, so tutor me in the ways of your wisdom. Verse 33, give me revelation about the meaning of your ways so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. Give me under, an understanding heart so that I can passionately know and obey your truth. Guide me into the paths that please you for I take delight in all that you say. Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Reassure me of your promises for I am your beloved, your servant who bows before you. Now, these are just a few of the verses, but as you go through those 176 verses, you will find statements like this regarding how God sees his word. Now, in addition to Psalm 119, um, not only does it provide us with the benefits of God's word, I think it also kind of provides us with what I think are three simple steps we can take uh, to make God's word more relevant, more practical, and more transformational in our lives. And the first one is we just need to look to the Bible. Now, the Bible has one thing in common with every other book um, that's ever been written, and it's absolutely useless if it stays unopened. 
Psalmist says in verse 47, he says, my passion and delight is in your word, for I love what you say to me. I long for more revelation for your truth, for I love the light of your word as I meditate on your decrees. Do you realize there are more Bibles in print today, largely because of the many different translations? A lot of you may not know this, but the Bible continues to remain the number one bestseller of all time. It always has been. I think it probably always will be for, more, for good reason. There are more Bibles in people's homes and hands than ever before, and yet the vast majority of people who say they believe the Bible, who say they love the God of the Bible, are suffering from what we would call spiritual anorexia. They're starving to death from spiritual malnutrition. And one of the things that the writer there in Psalm 119 is trying to convey to us is he's saying, man, there is a treasure trove of gems, of jewels, of riches, of revelation in God's word. What God kind of calls wonderful things. There are books and chapters and verses full of spiritual jewels that are just waiting to be mined. And God wants us to be willing to open our eyes, to allow him to open our eyes and to look at what he sees, at what he says and read our Bibles. Now, believe it or not, there's not a day in your life, no matter how great that day is going, there's never a day in your life that you do not need to hear something from God. There's never a day that in your life that you do not need to hear from God. And the best place to be in God's presence, to hear God's voice, is to be in God's word. And I'll tell you how big of a deal this is. When God was setting up the requirements for a good king over the nation of Israel, Hear the instructions that God gave to the king there in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 through 20. And this is what God says. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. And what he's saying there is the king was required by God to make a personal copy of God's law in his own handwriting. And he was to take that and to have that with him everywhere he went. Now, I would think if God requires that of a king, the most powerful, the most influential person in the entire nation at that time, how much more would God desire that? For you and me. If a king needs to hear God's word to rule a nation, I believe we also need to be able to hear from God in order for God to rule our lives. 
I can tell you from just my own personal experience, and I'm sure many of you can get up here and testify from your own personal experience, when you open the Bible, God will open your heart and your eyes. He will open up and, and he will bring to you principles, precepts, practices that will enhance your life. It will enrich you. It will enable you to do above and beyond all you could think or imagine. It will give you um, prosperity. It, it will make you prosperous in, in ways you thought you could never be to accomplish more than you thought you could ever do and to be more blessed than you ever thought you could do. And again, to do that, we have got to steadfastly and we have got to faithfully look to the Bible, God's uh, guiding principles for this life and in the life to come. I love what Psalm 119, verse 105 through 106, a lot of you are familiar with this. It says, your word, God's word, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous decrees. God's giving us an opportunity this morning to be able to say, I promised it once. I've made that commitment before, but God, today here in your presence in this place, I'm gonna renew that commitment. I will obey your righteous decrees. And those are all found in his word. So we've gotta to look to the Bible. Second thing is we gotta learn from the Bible. When you quit learning from God's word, you will quit growing and maturing as a believer. When you quit reading God's word, you will quit growing and maturing as a believer. There are always, I don't care how many times you've read the Bible, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, there are always new things to learn. And you will never, ever know it all, even if we had 100 lifetimes. There are no greater life lessons that we can learn than through God's word. Listen to what the psalmist goes on to say in verse 128. He said, every word you speak, every truth is revealed. Every truth revealed is always I want you to emphasize that always, not sometimes, not just on the weekends, not just when I agree with it, but your word is always right and beautiful to me. Your marvelous words are living miracles. No wonder I long to obey everything you say. And again, one of the reasons we need to always be continuously learning from God's word is because it's all truth and it's always true. God's lessons about how to have a strong marriage, how to be a good, faithful husband, how to be a good, faithful wife, how to be a wise parent, how to raise wise children, how to be a good boss, how to be a good employee, how to manage money wisely how to find the right kind of friend or soulmate, how to be the right kind of, of uh, Christian, how to handle your enemies, how to deal with conflict. All of that is in there and it still works. It worked 2,000 years ago and it will work 2,000 years into the future should Jesus tarry. In fact, the Bible is so great and the truths in it are so life-changing that they will not only help you how to learn and be victorious in this life, 
but they will also teach you how to die. Now, I know that's a cheery thought, right? Now listen to what the psalmist says in verse 33. He says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Now what does he mean, follow it to the end? To the end of what? To the end of life. You will find, if, if, I don't know at what age that starts happening, but you'll find that the older you get, the more and more you start thinking about death. Now, not only will God's word faithfully and graciously lead you through this life victoriously, but it'll also take you through the valley of the shadow of death and usher you into eternity. And I just want you to know, there's nothing you will ever encounter in this life that God's word does not have something hopeful to say about it. Every experience of life, God has something to say about it in his word. It's interesting because there are times when people will leave a church and they'll maybe kind of come here to our church and in the course of kind of getting to know them, I'll kind of ask them, so why did you leave your church and in coming to this church? And, and sometimes one of the responses that I'll get from people this is just over like, you know, the span of my, my ministry. It's not just this church. It's not just you people. It's just the span of my ministry. Um, I will hear people say uh, something along the lines of, I just wasn't being fed where I was. I wasn't being spiritually challenged where I was going. Now, let me just say this as kindly as I can. I have a responsibility on Sundays and, and I, I work and I, I try to be as faithful uh, in uh, that responsibility to provide you with a biblical sound message to give you opportunities to be able uh, to respond, uh, to do whatever you feel like God's calling you to do with that, you know, to pray with you. It's not just me, others here uh, to pray with you. But if you are solely depending on me for your spiritual feeding, I want you to think about this. When it comes to parenting and raising children, we've raised six of them. There came a time with all six of our children where we took the spoon out of our hand in feeding them and put the spoon in their hands and taught them how to begin to feed themselves. Now, I'm gonna tell you, at first, it was pretty messy. But the more they self-fed, the better they got. And there comes a time in your spiritual walk with the Lord that if you're not being fed spiritually, that is not any pastor's fault. Primarily, that is your responsibility. It is not solely my responsibility or the responsibility of anyone else in this church or in any church you go to to make sure that you are fed spiritually. Now again, I can supplement that and I will and I, I strive to do that. I, I appreciate the people that come up here in my absence. I believe they strive uh, to be able to, to provide spiritual nourishment as well. 
But ultimately, it is your responsibility to see to it that you are being fed spiritually. Now, you may have heard of a, a man by the name of Howard Hughes. Some of you, you know, um, maybe not. That's all right. At one time, Howard Hughes was the richest man in the world. When he died in 1981, he was cared for around the clock by 15 personal attendants and three doctors. He had the best health care money could buy at that time. Do you know what Howard Hughes died from? Malnutrition. He died thin, dehydrated, emaciated. The man was basically a skeleton despite all of his attendants, doctors, money. How is that possible? Because he became so obsessed and fearful of germs. So much so that he refused to eat food or drink water because he was afraid if he ate something, there would be germs in that that would eventually kill him. And rather than getting germs from eating food, he just quit eating. Well, your body's only gonna put up with that for so long, right? Now what's true of your body is even more true of your spirit and your soul. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread, and he's talking physical bread there, food. Shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds, that comes out of the mouth of God. He's saying bread alone, physical food alone, will not ultimately satisfy you, but true life, eternal life, the zoe life, the life that God comes to give us, to bring us, can be found in every word, which is constantly coming forth from God's mouth. So we look to the Bible, we learn from the Bible. Third thing is, is that we live out the Bible. You can't just look to the Bible, you can't just learn from the Bible. You gotta live the Bible out in your daily life. Psalm 119 verse nine says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living, by living, by doing according to your word. Again, you can love the Bible, you can look to the Bible, you can listen to the Bible, you can learn from the Bible, but it will not change your life. It will not bring the transformation God desires to bring until you begin to do what it says. That is the idea behind our motto here at Praise Community Church, changing lives through the unchanging word. Your life begins to change when you begin to do what the living word says. That's the idea behind what James, the half-brother of Jesus, meant when he wrote these words in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James is saying that if we only listen to the word but don't do what it says, we are deceiving ourselves. We're walking in deception Think about that. Rick Warren rightly says the only part of God's word we truly believe is the part we do. The only part of God's word you believe is the part you do. That's sobering. 
You see, too often we want to claim the promises of the Bible. We want to enjoy the blessings of the Bible. We want to draw comfort from the Bible, but we don't want to obey. We don't want to do what the Bible says to do. Again, it's not enough to just listen to the Bible as if you're riding down the road or listening to it as you, you know, read it to yourself or to listen to it uh, being preached or taught. The Latin word for listen gives us our English word audit. How many of you have ever audited a, 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 a course, maybe a, a college course? You get the information from the class, but if you don't do the homework and you don't do anything with what you've learned, you don't get any credit for the class either. And there's a lot of people, they just audit the Bible. They listen to what it has to say, but they don't do anything with it. It's the same thing uh, that's true spiritually. Okay, it's one thing to look to the Bible and you should. It's one thing to learn from the Bible and we should. But you don't get credit for that. You gotta put it into practice. You gotta live it out. You gotta obey it before it really becomes the power in your life that it should be and gives you the power that your life should have. That is why you should really be honest with yourself and ask this question, what has the final say in my life? What is the authority over me? When I'm cornered, when I'm forced to face reality, when my back is up against the wall, when I gotta make a decision now in any given situation, who or what is calling the shot? Are you going to let Hollywood define for you what sexual morality is? Is Wall Street going to be the determining factor in how you use and manage your finances? Is the government's job to tell you more and more what you can and can't do in your personal life, in your home, in your private business? Listen, the reason we need more and more laws in this country is because we have abandoned God's laws. And whenever you abandon God's laws, you're creating a vacuum that something or someone is gonna come and fill up. And the more and more laws we need to make in this country, it's because we have abandoned the ultimate law given to us through God's word. Bible says in Exodus 20, 15, do not steal, period, stop. Man's law recently said, do not steal more than $950 worth and we won't come after you. That's true. Then they stand around and scratch their heads wondering why are thefts on the rise? Why are we having more and more flash mobs going into stores and stealing stuff and there's no one there to stop them? Because the police have basically said, look, if it's not more than $950 worth, we're not gonna come. And then stores are saying, well, we don't want our employees putting their lives at risk uh, trying to stop these people. And so what do, what do criminals think? Well, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to steal up to $950. The cops won't come and the stores won't do anything about it. Mankind can never improve on God's word, ever. We try. 
There's some laws out there that, that are good. I, I appreciate some laws. I appreciate, you know, stop at a red light, go on green. I appreciate that. I like that. I think it brings order. But if God said it, he said it because it's true and it works forever. I read this somewhere and it puts it kind of pretty simply. Look to the Bible to be safe. Learn from the Bible to be wise. Live out the Bible to be holy. Look to the Bible to be safe. Learn from the Bible to be wise. Live out the Bible to be holy. Next step, and I'm gonna close with this. Here's what I wanna challenge our congregation to do. Inside your bulletin this morning, I have put an insert in there, uh, and it is a guide that will help you uh, read through the New Testament in a year. Now, for some of you, that may seem rather... Uh, kind of simple or, or not very much. But what I, what I wanna do is I wanna just kind of start this morning and I wanna just challenge some of you that maybe have never, ever read the Bible in your life. I wanna just start with you and I wanna start simple. And I wanna give you something that I think is manageable. And that is, is for you to take that sheet there in, in that insert in there and just commit yourself that for this new year you're going to read through the new testament at least one time now for those of you that maybe feel like you're just a lot further down the road spiritually or you feel like you're a more mature believer you need something you know a, a little a little more fine commit yourself to twice read through the the new testament two times in a year and, and just adjust the schedule accordingly there are times where i've read through the new testament in a month it's doable some of you may kind of feel like, hey, I'm kind of up for a bigger challenge. Out on the welcome table, I've provided out there a, a, a sheet that will get you through the entire Bible in a year, both Old Testament, New Testament. And it kind of, uh, it, each day it kind of gives you uh, Old Testament and a New Testament. So you're kind of reading the two um, side by side. So again, I just kind of want to challenge you with that. Now some of you may be sitting there saying, well, Pastor, I already do that. Okay, that's great. Maybe for you, uh, it may just be that you need to add maybe some things to that. Maybe God kind of wants to expand that. Maybe God wants to kind of include, uh, you know, scripture memorization. Maybe some of you have never, ever memorized scripture before. That may be something that God says, hey, this year, in addition to, you know, you're reading the Bible through in a year, I want you to kind of start memorizing certain scriptures that he highlights. For some of you, it may be journaling. I, I have tried journaling. Journaling has been kind of like one of my New Year's resolutions uh, for the last several years. And, and I do really, really well until like right up to January 3rd. And then it just kind of starts to fall off. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. So what my goal for this year is, is as I go through the New Testament, whether that you know, be uh, once or twice, what I wanna try to do is I wanna try to begin to journal um, several of those days in that week. The problem for me is I am a perfectionist. Perfectionism haunts me, okay? So what ends up happening with me is if I kind of start doing that and kind of tell myself, you gotta do it every day, and I miss one day or I miss two days, I just start beating myself up and I just stop. So I, I need to kind of build in a little bit of grace for me that, that, that says, you know what, let's just try to do this a couple of times a day. Not every day. Maybe work up to that, but let's just, let's just try to get this a couple of times a week. For some of you, I, I would just encourage you, a, a couple, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, 
I saw uh, somebody had suggested reading the book of Acts in just one entire sitting. I'd never done that before. Uh, I've read, you know, like, you know, a chapter at a time, and, and sometimes you can kind of become, you know, it, it, it kind of feels like, it feels disjointed. So I remember sitting down one time and reading the whole book of Acts um, in one sitting, and it just changed the way I saw and understood the book of Acts. So maybe for some of you, that's a, a good challenge, is maybe to sit down and, and, and do something um, like that. I, I think my goal, what I'm really encouraging us to do is to be a congregation that is in the word on a daily basis, whatever that looks like for you. I just want you to take some kind of a challenge um, this year in regards to God's word. And I believe that if we do that faithfully, and again, again, not perfectly, this is where, again, if you struggle with perfectionism, what ends up happening is if you miss a day or you miss a week, you, you, you kind of just beat yourself up and then you just quit. Uh, but, but to get into the word, and, and I'm gonna try to be uh, diligent in, in trying to just keep encouraging you uh, in that throughout this year so that if you do kind of uh, uh, get... Um, you know, lazy uh, in that, or you get distracted by that, that hopefully we can kind of just pull you back in and get you back uh, on track. So that's what I would ask you uh, to do as we, again, enter into a new year. It's kind of broke down, so it's just uh, five readings per week. So if you like doing that during the week, you'll have, you know, Saturday, Sunday off that maybe you can read through the entire book of Acts uh, on a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so it kind of just gives you some flexibility um, there. And like I said, I, I do have sheets out there. Uh, is Cheryl here? Oh, Cheryl, I put that out on the table there. If you could just kind of be out there afterwards. Uh, I do have additional copies of what's in your bulletin if you wanna grab one for a friend or a spouse, if your spouse isn't here, and maybe you guys wanna to try to do that together, that'd be a great uh, challenge um, as well. So let's just stand together this morning. Father, again, we just thank you so much for your presence in this house this morning. Father, we again just thank you for the new things that you're doing, new opportunities that you're giving uh, to us. And Lord, we especially thank you for new opportunities uh, to just grow, to just grow more and more in knowledge and revelation of your word. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would not just read, that we would not just listen to what your word says, but that, God, we would really begin to look for ways to walk that out and to live that out in our lives. Because, God, the consequences of just listening and not doing it is deception. And we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to walk in deception. We want to walk in your light and we want to walk in your truth. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that as, as we begin to walk more and more in the light and the revelation of your word, Father, we just believe that your kingdom is gonna come upon this earth, in this congregation, in this city, in more powerful and more tangible ways. And Father, we believe, Lord, that it is by your spirit, it is by your word that you want to move in this congregation, in us individually, and in this city. And so, Father, we want we to do our part. We want to come together as a body. And through the reading of the word, Father, as a congregation, we pray that it would, it would uh, unite us that it would bring unity in this body, that there would be harmony in this body, 
that that would be one of the blessings, it would be one of the benefits, it would be one of the byproducts of being in your word on a daily basis. So Father, we ask, Lord, for your spirit to be at work in us, that we not rely on the flesh, but God, we rely upon your spirit that you would enable, you would empower, that God, it would be your spirit nudging us reminding us, calling us to your word. So Father, we just thank you for the new things that you're doing, for the new things that await us in your word. And again, Father, open our eyes, open our ears to see and to hear what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to just uh, give an opportunity here this morning, a Praise Cafe um, is open. Uh, we've got uh, donuts, hot coffee down there. So if you want to take some time before you head back out in the cold to warm up and fill up, I want to just invite you to uh, go downstairs. If you're here this morning and just need uh, prayer uh, for anything in your life, uh, I just want you to know there'll be people here uh, just that we're here to pray for you. It doesn't have to be about anything we talked about this morning. It could just be personal needs that you have. We want to just let you know we're here for you this morning. Uh, if you're uh, ready uh, to head downstairs, you can do that. God bless you uh, and have a great week and we'll see you back here next Sunday. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.